0: I love getting up in the morning and going and processing and going and do my nets. It's just, it's a different life. And you talk to people about it, they're like, wow, that's so amazing. And you're like, yeah, that's what I do for a living. Like, it's not nine to five. It's not sitting at a desk. It's something you've got to be born and bred to do.
1: This is Fish Tales, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. The Gulf of Carpentaria is a large, remote, shallow sea shared by the Northern Territory and Queensland bounded by Arnhem Land to the west and Cape York Peninsula to the east. Cape York is one of Australia's last great wilderness areas. Katie Simmons is a fifth generation barramundi fisher based out in this wild country, working from an isolated frontier fishing camp more than 700 kilometers from her home in Cooktown. She spends three quarters of the year here. This remoteness could be daunting for most. For Katie, it's where she grew up where she works and where she loves to be.
0: I'm Katie Simmons. We are fishermen out of the Kendall River. So that's north of Pomperal And I live in Cooktown some parts of the year. And then um, the rest there. I was, um, I think it was about three months old when my mum and dad took me out fishing. Um, they worked for my grandparents. And then they saved up and bought a boat named the ET. And um, I grew up there with my younger two brothers. Most of it is just having to do our schoolwork by the air and then hang in to go and do net, mum and dad, and crab pots and go and do our own fishing because it was always an adventure, fishing. Oh, I think it's just where I was um born, bred. Like, I just, you know, my parents raised me. I lost my father and my brother in the Gulf. And then now I've got three of my own kids, so I want them to experience the life i got to grow up with, um... When my, when I got together with my partner, I took him up there, and he loves the ocean as well. It's just something easy about the ocean. It's always, I don't know, it's just somewhere it's home. It's where you, where we came to, it's where I was brought up. It's it's just home.
1: The western coastline of Cape York is not as rough as other parts of the Gulf Carpentaria, enabling inshore seagrasses and mangroves to flourish. Especially along the river mouths of the estuaries, where the mixing of fresh and marine waters plays an important role in the development of marine life, which is abundant in this region. This part of the Gulf of Western Cape York is some of the wildest, most hostile terrain in Australia.
0: We fish from February to the start of October out of the Kendall River, so it's on the west coast of Queensland. Um, it's it's wonderful, it's um to get there, you go through the malice little goat track and then you come out onto a beautiful beach. Um, it's about 19 kilometres of beach and you travel along that and then you go into a bit of scrubland. And on the side of the river is kind of our big camp is in the mangroves kind of thing. Nana Granada have been there for 48 years, or probably longer. Um, so yeah, we've got quite a camp there. They've got everything you have in town. So plus the boats on wharfs and yeah, we're we're a couple of miles in from the mouth. So it just winds up the river. It's about three bends up. It's quite wide. There's a lot of mangroves, um, but we're on like a bit of a flat with ridges. And we've got a you know, we've got a pretty decent sized house. We've got wharfs. We've got big rock walls near us. Like a lot of tourists that come up, they fish along the rock walls. Um it's beautiful because in the afternoon when the southwester comes in, you're down on the deck processing, it scoops straight through your boat. So the breeze is beautiful and the camps in a nice spot that you can just drive over the ridge from or the three or four ridges from the beach and you just you can drive into the back of the camp. Um we've got wells for water. It's very peaceful, especially when the motors are off. It's it's really beautiful. And if you've the motors off and it's rough, you can hear the ocean roaring.
1: Who could have imagined what influence comedian Paul Hogan would have on building the mythology of one of Australia's most iconic fish, the barramundi? In his 1986 movie, Crocodile Dundee, Hogan cemented in history the status of this most majestic marine beast from the wilds of North Australia. Although this member of the sea bass family is found in many tropical waters throughout the globe, it is the golf barra that has become the most famous. Revered as a quintessential Australian brand, the name barramundi, after all, is derived from an Australian Aboriginal word meaning large-scaled river fish.
0: So um, we we catch barramundi, king salmon, all our byproduct. We don't throw anything away. Um, I believe if we catch it and it's dead, we use it. Like it's not just, a, you know, it's not wasteful. Um, but we catch it from Barramundi to King Salmon, Jewelfish, Grunter, Blue Salmon, um, for the first half of the year. The second half of the year, we catch Grey Mackle, Shark, um, and the odd Spanish. Oh, so we have nets. So, um, a lot of people call them square hooks. Um, they're like a nylon net that we put out. And per license, we can have, I think it's six sheets in the river and then, or 12 sheets out the front. So we can, fish either all we were all out the front, and um, we just set them with our dinghies, anchors on either end, boys with our symbol numbers on them, and, yeah. It's very, very easy, but um, you got to have a good back, <laughs> nice strong shoulders. Um, so, yeah, Annette could stay in the same spot for a couple of days if it's catching well. Um, we check it every four hours, though, so right through the night during the day. Um, it doesn't give it enough time for the fish to die, like you still get nice fresh fish all the time. So they come out of the net in your dinghy and then we take them home into what we call brine tanks. So they're tanks full of salt water that are freezing cold to stop stop the product from going rotten. And then um, we'll get it out and we'll process it. So it's filleted, skinned, trimmed up and packed and straight into a big snap. But so within – Six to ten hours, you've got a frozen block of fish. So once we've cracked, frozen it, it goes on to a barge, goes around the cans, and we sell to Neil Moretto. He's uh, Lenrex, and um, yeah, he just sells it all over Australia. I, I don't really, sometimes some of it used to go to WA, but these days so I don't really know, but I know it doesn't go outside of Australia.
1: Life in a fishing camp is essentially a 24 hour job seven days a week for eight months. This is an around-the-clock job with high water temperatures and such an energetic fish. Keeping the catch fresh is a task which demands constant attention and management.
0: We get up uh, about five o'clock in the morning, between five and six. We have our cup of teas and a bit of toast and we'll go and do our nets. It just depends who we've got working, if it's just me and uh, my granddad, Dave. He'll go and do his nets, I'll go do my nets, Um, come back. We'll chuck our fish on the brine and put them in. Chuck our fish on the deck and put them in the brine, and then we'll go up and have a bit of brekkie. You know, it's ten o'clock or something, and then as soon as we finish brekkie, we'll come down and we'll process all into. And then in between processing, if we we're going to go do our nets, we'll pull up and go do our nets, and then we'll come back and finish processing, and then scrub down and go and do our nets again and get ready for the afternoon. It's a very, it's the same thing each day, but just something happens a different happens each day kind of thing. Um, it's not a process, you know, you can go out the front and it can, be, it can be that rough you can't even see your nets or you can go out the front and it's just there's a boat out there you want to go and say hello to. It's a different thing every day but just the same, you know, get up, go and do your nets, come home, process, go and do your nets, come home, have dinner in bed.
1: Whilst the barramundi gets much of the publicity and is the primary money catch for Katie, there are equally other important species caught in the small gillnets used to catch fish in this part of the Gulf. For her, the king salmons, blue salmons, thread fins, mackerels and sharks are even more tasty. For her, targeting the highly prized sea-run barramundi is key to their success though.
0: Uh, anything sweet between king salmon, um, granta jewelfish, grey mackerel's not too bad. We eat a lot of pomfrey in the mackerel season. is a monkey fish, it's a Everyone just thinks, "Oh, bad," you know. It's good. It's good eating, and it's it's good. It's got a good name, so it's good eating. But I don't know. It's, got, it's good for some stuff, I guess. But if you ask me, it's not bad for sure. Uh, the freshwater bad usually they're black or really dark, and they got a real muddy taste to them. They're real gritty and that slimy kind of tasting. I don't, I don't know. You can you can just taste the muddiness in them. Whereas bar, you it's silver or gold. And, um, yeah, they've just got this nice, salty, clean taste. Like, it's fresh. It's, it's no gritty, no muddy, no sourness. It's, um, yeah, they're just a clean, clean fillet kind of thing.
1: The far north of Australia has bred many unique and special characters. Dave Ward has been fishing in the Cape and the Gulf since the fishery was established. A pioneer of these waters, fishing is definitely in his blood, providing inspiration and motivation, often by way of a boot in the backside for extended generations of his fishing family.
0: Oh, he's an old rogue. He's, he's, he's one agile old bastard. He's, um, I think he's 72, and he can just run rings around any young person I've ever seen in my life. But he won't give up fishing. He's too passionate about it. It's his happy place. Uh, when I first started working for him, well, we used to blue. He was too bloody bossy back then. But he, he is one of my—he is my best friend. Um, I've, I've worked for him. Uh, I was 15 when I started working for him, and I've just turned 30. So, he's—he's uh, a, he's a very good boss. He's a very fair boss. Um, yeah, he's—he's he's, he has a bit of trouble moving with the times, but he's doing it, and. He's still fishing and, and still working hard at 72, and I, I completely respect that. And I'm proud that my kids get to see that.
1: Father and son fishing combinations can often be fractious. Grandfather and granddaughter combinations are rarely heard of, and rare are still heard of to be successful. For Dave and Katie, their relationship, bonded by blood, literally, and Barra, has proven to yield mutual respect admiration and outstanding quality of catch.
0: We had to unload one year and it was really rough, really rough, but we had to get this fish on the boat. And well, we went out the mouth at the big boat to meet the mothership and it was gigantic seas. And I remember we had to turn sideways with the ocean and it was big, big waves coming on the side of the boat and the whole boat laid over, you could see the keel and the pot was out of water. And he just turned around at the door and, and he just shook his head at me with his massive eyes. Like, what, what are we doing? Are you, are we crazy? And we had to get, I had the dinghy onto the boat and I just remember his look on his face thinking like, why are we doing this? With, you know, we're, we're psychos. Like, I'll never forget. Like, yes, yeah, so we've had some really good, um, good adventures. We've been in a lot of rough seas and a lot of stuff at the camp. Um, yeah, he um he shot me a couple of years ago. I think I was about nineteen. We we weren't even fishing when he did it, so um I was still yeah. Um he we were back burning at the back of their cattle property. And and um he chucked the well, there was a dingo. He went to shoot it, then we realised there was a fire coming, so he just chucked the gun in and forgot to Take the bullet out, and I jumped in, and he chucked the firebug in, (laughs) and then the gun went off, and I went straight through, straight in my leg, and out just above me, like my butt kind of thing near my spine, and uh, he it 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 wrecked him. He had nightmares for months over that, but I did get a clean car and an ashtray full of money for Christmas, so I was stoked. But, um, no, we've had some, yeah, some really good adventures. Oh, we've had, definitely had a few blues over the time. Um, I'm, I'm, probably the only deckie in his whole fishing career that's made him walk off his own boat. Um, but other than that, he's, um, we get along really well. And my kids love, love fishing with him. And, um, yeah, he's, I'm very lucky he's still in our lives and I get my kids get to grow up with him
1: this remote northernmost portion of Queensland harbors some of the most pristine wilderness in Australia the range and diversity of the wildlife is as staggering as it is ferocious for Katie Simmons these are the same animals she and her family have always known respected and supported
0: Part of the year we, um, we can go down the beach and you can see where the turtles have come up and laid their nests. We, um, I haven't seen a turtle come up for a few years, but we, we go down the next day and you can see where they've walked up or, you know, crawled up on the beach to lay their nests. Um, so we cover them up if we find a nest, we cover them all up so the pigs and that don't get into them. And so through turtles and crocodiles, there's a lot of crocodiles. By genius there's a lot of crocodiles. Um, oh. They're good sometimes. Um, We don't have any trouble. We've never had any trouble with crocodiles. Um, They don't come near the camp. I don't know if it's because of the noise. Like it's, yeah, they kind of swim up the river or swim down the river. You hardly ever see them at the camp. We did have a pet crocodile for a couple of years. They'd come in and take some frames and off we'd go again. Um, We've never minded. Like as long as they bugger off again, they're all right. But um, we've never... You know, we're always in the water there, and uh, we scrape our boats on the edge of the bank. So, I don't know if we would do it these days. We usually take them down the mouth these days, but um, yeah, like they, they don't, they don't bother us. We, the kids, know not to go near the water. So do the dogs. Um, yeah, they, there's. I think you just. Well, we've taught our kids not to go near the water. If they want to go down to the boat. They have got to have an adult. Um, always have their life jackets on. So, you know, they, they don't like going down there. So we're never worried about crocs with them. And in the dinghies, the kids don't hang over. They hang in the middle playing with the fish you get out of the net. Well, they can get anywhere from the, like a little bubble fellows to a couple meters. I think the, the one the other day was about three and a half meters. Um, we had a, a, a 16 footer not long ago that lived across the river. It's been a long time. Um, since we've seen any bigger than that, usually they're the swamp cocks that come down, but yeah, it just they're a bit timid, see, they don't really know what we are and so they stay hidden. But I'm I'm definitely sure there's probably bigger ones out there. But um fifteen and sixteen foot's probably the, the most the biggest we get these like the the biggest we see these days.
1: The cost of compliance for commercial fishermen is often unknown and unrecognised as a key impost on their job. Not only are the hours long, conditions harsh and returns unknown, but growing demands on fishers to be responsible for managing their own fisheries is for many a contentious and troubling development, often removing incentive for new entrants. Fishing after all is hunting and requires many different skills from farming.
0: I have no doubt that the fishery is going to get harder and harder for people to stay in the industry. The rules and regulations and that, it's just nearly becoming impossible to be a fisherman. So it, it's getting to the point that people don't care whether it's caught in Australia or not, they they just want fish. And it's, yeah, it's making it hard for the fishermen in Australia or or us in Queensland to actually just go about our business and we don't hurt no one, we Nanaka, going have been fishing the same river for all these years and they can still catch good fish. So we don't flog the country. Like every year It's, it's just gets better or it has just a neutral year. Like there's still a lot of fish around. Um, I guess it's – people's got different – like the older generation, a lot of them have left. They couldn't handle the rules. Um, and the older, younger generation just don't want to be bothered – for me, I'd love to go and be go fishing, but it's just starting now would be going backwards too far.
1: Katie Simmons is an inspiring person. Growing up in the remote wilds of Cape York, with a true love of her environment, her job and her family, she still holds great hopes for the future. But perhaps she might be the last of one of Australia's great Wild barramundi dynasties.
0: I stick around these days so my kids can have my like the same things I got to have as a kid. Got to have the adventures, and so do they. Um, I love getting up in the morning and going and processing, or go and do my nets. It's just it's, it's a different life. And you talk to people about it, they're like, "Wow, that's so amazing!" You're like, "Yeah, that's what I do for a living." Like it's not nine to five, it's not sitting at a desk, but it's it's something you've got to be born and bred to do. It's got to be who you are. Like, um, yeah, and it's good when you take the kids out and they've got that much excitement and enjoyment for it, it's something worth doing. I, I don't do full seasons anymore because like, I've got the kids, one in school and a little one. But even doing the macro season, it's just, it's an adventure to go up and do it. And I think the these days everything's so fast, like, when I was a kid, it was all it seemed so slow, and you have to do this and you got to do that. And these days, you get up in the morning, the next minute you go on to bed. It's just so many things to do, and, and to go fishing, it kind of slows down and the kids get to enjoy the day, and, yeah. See, I work for my grandparents, so when they probably finish up, my mum's a fisherman as well, and, and if they finish up and she doesn't, I'll probably keep going up to help her. Um, for me to go into fishing now... I'm, like myself and my partner, probably will never happen. Uh, we're quite happy with our cows and our little block of land. But um, it is, as long as Anna and Grandad are still fishing, I'll still be there to help them.
1: This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production. I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.